Hello, everybody. I'm Devin. It's early, so forgive me if I stumble on my words as I start to caffeinate. My, my speaking and uh, ability to form complex thoughts will rapidly improve, I promise. Welcome, Tristan. Thank you so much for speaking with me. Tristan Haggard, my great friend. Uh, we live together, roommates in college, a uh, wonderful human being, a business owner, a personal coach, a, uh, what would you say, a dietitian, a nutritional counselor, uh, owner and operator of Primal Edge, the philanthropist, philanthropist. Uh, yeah. man about town. Uh, uh, Tristan Haggard, thank you very much for talking with me. It's always a pleasure. So uh, I'll put it to you. Just chilling, man. Trying to get my shit together. Got my got my Brazilian jersey on uh, for for my wife. Never wear this Thank thing, you. so it makes me feel pretty fresh, you know. Um, that puppy, man. How's that puppy dog? She's good. She's well. She she threw up a sock that she ate yesterday. So, <laughs> good thing. She other <laughs> other other than that, well, I mean that's a good thing, you see, because yeah. we were really worried. Uh, Eric came over yesterday, and we were going to go on this paddle uh, uh, adventure up into the lakes, and uh, I guess. Isabella and Sage were talking to Eric by his, his truck and they and I'm like up here getting ready and they mm -hmm. said that she just ate a full man's like a a, a full large sock. <laughs> like they just watched her do it. Yeah. Swallowed it? Yeah. Just <laughs> swallowed it. And it was like it was like one that had been like you know, trampled into the dirt. Like it wasn't like a fresh mm. sock. It was like a fucking like soiled sock. So maybe I'll 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 uh I'll, I'll show you. Here we go. Uh, I guess I guess it's not. Oh, it's not a sock. It's a hair tie. Okay. Yeah. She's thrown. She's thrown up a full hair tie. So that that wow. includes the the drama of the hair tie. But we we were we were getting into something interesting before we were recording. So I kind of want to put this to you because we don't have to spend too much time talking about it. But it's it's uh, it's very intriguing to me. And knowing you from when we knew each other in close proximity for, for, for you know, years to, to looking at what you've done, the family that you've built, the business that you've built, your, your, yourself in the sense of how you've changed physically, how athletic, how physically strong you've, you've built your body is so, it's so, I, I struggle for a better word than interesting. It's it's so telling to the the choices that you've made over the last decade. And I want to put to you if you can if you can kind of make a thesis of it or or put it to to, to the listeners in a way that's that's digestible. Because I know you speak to this stuff in your in your on your channels, Primal Edge Health, mm -hmm. and I know you talk about nutrition in great length and and you know you're 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 very physically fit and you do a lot of, of activity, but like I wonder if we can talk about it just from the heart or from, from some maybe novel perspective of, of your journey of, of a decade ago or a decade plus ago being in kind of the, the West Coast area of, of, of the United States and living in a certain way to now being in South, uh, is Central, Central America as Ecuador. South America. Excuse me, South America, and being in the Andes, and I mean, look at how beautiful where you are is, and and living the life now that you're living, and maybe just kind of, just kind of speaking to what that is and how that occurred. And I don't know, I don't know really, you know, I just want to put that to you because I I see it, I feel it when I when I connect with you, and it's very, mm. it's very inspirational, it's very 
powerful to, to, to feel what you've done for yourself. And I applaud you and I, I think it's fantastic. And so I want to kind of put you on the spot such that you can kind of maybe speak to that. Cool, man. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I we talked a little bit before you started recording about the concept of ep epigenetics, right? I mean, there used to be this kind of dogma entrenched in the sciences and uh, um, the biological sciences about genetic determinism, right? Like what you do, who you are, um, your susceptibility to disease even, all determined, predetermined by your genetics, right? Oh, it's just in my genes, right? Alcoholism right. is just in my genes, right? Things like, when you look at family histories and stuff and, um, you know, kind of scientific explanations for things like alcoholism, pedophilia, child abuse and stuff, I mean, all these things, they were believed at one point to, you know, they, they travel through families because of, they're just genetic, right? But that's actually kind of been shown to be largely bunk and a very oversimplified view of, uh, of determinism, which is uh, been shown not to be true, right? Like we're not just determined by our genes. Our genes, the way they express themselves are determined by where we live, the things we do, the food we consume, the people we're around even. So it's like, it's our choice. It's our conscious choices that actually determine how these genes express themselves, right? So, you know, alcoholism isn't, something that's just oh your dad was an alcoholic therefore you're you're gonna be an alcoholic no it's choices right you, of course you see you're you're hanging out with people who are making these choices to you know abuse substances or to abuse people be in abusive relationships like if we soak that up it, it imprints on us right and then we end up repeating those those um those behaviors right but it's not that that's, it was yeah. genetically determined it's just that's a fascinating not to interrupt you that's a fascinating um thing i mean the, the 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 because we all know that to be true we've all experienced that right i mean being around a certain influence you know and then mm -hmm. having to somehow consciously escape it should it have been a bad influence um if we if we have the, the strength of character to do so that's fascinating to me for sure man so i think i think kind of what you're talking about is just like i don't know i mean we, we grow up with certain habits and those habits they a lot of the time they we pick them up environmentally right we pick up these habits from around us you know we watch tv and it forms our worldview we uh we get we go to school and we we you know we have friends that that we hang out with and you know i mean your your parents notice it when you're a child right like you you hang out with kids and then you come home and all of a sudden you're talking like them you're saying things you normally wouldn't say your parents are like where'd you learn that right like it's it's not like these are things that you know, our behavior is not just genetically determined. It's, it's our choices. Right. We have, we have choice. We have a will. And okay. So, so, so to put it to you, not to interrupt you, I apologize, but what, what was the lever? What was the crux? What was the turning point? What was the, the point in your story at which you took conscious control and why such that you were able to, let's say, prove them wrong the 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 determinists i don't know i mean it's just kind of a uh like a slow change right like a uh slow slow gradual changes and i think um well it's funny because like it's it, not to interrupt you again but no but bro it's one of those things like you don't notice like i don't notice sage growing 
So yeah. to you, it's been real gradual. It's been just, just I'm sure, just infinitesimal steps in maybe a more positive direction. Like I'm not putting mm -hmm. words in your mouth. But for me, looking at you from the outside, you made a rapid 180 degree shift in your lifestyle in a in a unbelievably wonderful way. And I I don't want you to. I would hope that you don't make less of that. In in the interest of sharing how monumental that has been. Yeah, thanks, man. I appreciate it. I think, you know, to to me, like. I don't know. I mean, I, I still feel the, the same person. You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I'm like a different person. It's just, uh, I think with time as we make changes, I mean, f I think physically, maybe I look like way different physically, but I mean, that's just, that's just like, yeah, I mean, you lift weights and your body's going to change, right? Like, I mean, you put on some muscle and you look very different. I feel better physically, you know, as far as, you know, the way that my body functions, I'm not so lazy anymore physically and stuff like that. But yeah, I think, uh, there, there wasn't ever really, there wasn't like one moment where it was like, oh yeah, it was this moment I decided to like become more healthy. I mean, it was just, I mean, you make these decisions and then you make mistakes. It's like, okay, I think this is something that's good for me. And then, you know, it works for a little bit. And it's like, you know what, maybe this part of what I was just doing was good. And maybe some of the rest of it was like, not, was just, you know, I could probably throw out some of this. Right. And then you get little pieces here and there of, um, of the puzzle, but I think you know, just there have been a lot of lifestyle changes. I'd say, as far as um, you know, non-physical, it's like having having a child is really kind of something that really shifts you. You know, it's something that really makes you think and see things differently. And um, you know, they, I think that's that's a major milestone for me. I mean, it's it's cliche when people say you know, having a child changes you, but it's true. You know, it's not even though we, we know before we have a child that it's going to be very, uh, that it's going to change us. But then when it happens, it's like, it's very, uh, it's still so profound. Is it different than you thought it was going to be? Were you changed in ways that you might not have anticipated? Should we have had this discussion before you had kids? Uh, it's hard to say. Cause I didn't really, I suppose that's, you can't go backwards. Can you? I try not to, you know, like I try not to put expectation. You know what I'm saying? Like I, I try not to uh, tell myself a story of how things should be or will be and kind of experience it for what it is. Not that, that you know, we all have imprints and impressions and we all No, have, I get it. I get like, that. That's a, that's a you know, powerful like skill. Really, expectation can really spoil things. So no I, doubt. I definitely, yeah, I definitely went into it just like, just, just scared. <laughs> just like, what am I? Right, just kind of uh, just nervous about you know what 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 is this all about, and is this you know I mean it's a big responsibility, and so it's just you know those feelings of cosmic terror or like cosmic trepidation and nervousness and feeling insecure, like you know, I'm like I'm not worthy, I'm not good enough, that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, I think uh, I don't know. And then when you have a second child, it it just gets better too. And it gets, I don't know, they, I've, it's been seven years. Oh, no, eight years. Is it eight? I think Ariana just turned eight. Wow. Yeah, she, turned, she just turned eight. She was born in 2012. So it's been eight years now since she was born. So it's, it's, it's kind of hard to remember even what it was like before that, you know? Like, I feel like I was like a child before she was born, kind of, in many ways. I hear that. Yeah, man. That's really 
powerful. The idea that change happens and that to just face it is gonna is gonna make one evolve and and certainly i would argue in a positive way and i think that i mean speaking from my own perspective not speaking for anybody else i i can i've i've noticed times in my life when i resist so hard yeah. and or, or put off that next evolution for 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 fear of failure i mean that's that's probably the 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 focal point of that space you know oh if i just do it when i'm ready if i just wait if i just prepare more and it's like you know like life happens right unless you unless mm. one speaking for myself unless one doesn't you know doesn't doesn't go for it or, or what have you so i just i just want you to know just to, for, for starters that i'm super proud of you you are definitely a node in my network if you like that is that is an extremely inspirational and positive uh, uh, influence. And I, I, uh, I, I cheer you on, man. I I'm competitive. So I see you, I see you getting, getting fit. And I'm like, I'm not going to let that motherfucker be more fit than me. Like there's no, there's no way, no, no fucking chance in the world, dude. So I've been working really hard on myself. My back's sore and I'm trying to get everything kind of, kind of in line. And I, I started doing yeah. jujitsu, bro. I got, I got four, four or five, workouts in at jujitsu my knees started taking the brunt of i'm trying to put guys in triangles and they're passing my guard and I'm fucking tweaking uh -huh. my, my ligaments and stuff so i'm i'm think i'm gonna i'm think i'm not gonna do jujitsu but uh <laughs> uh i you know like like it's 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 uh i think there's truth to what you were saying a, a moment ago about one of the influences on our gene expression is the the interactions that we have, the circle that we have, and I'm 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 glad to have you in mine. And uh, you know, yeah, I think fitness is a super. I mean, I know it is a big part of my life for the reason that it's one of the the ways. Because I don't have kids, you know, yet, and I'm I'm not living that far from where I was born and raised. I live in Oregon now, relative to the Bay Area. It's far enough that I'm. I'm out of the bullshit of my kind of childhood programming, if you like. But I'm not. I, you know, I didn't take take such a big leap but fitness in and of itself has been probably the primary way I've developed myself you know and so I have a great deal of, of respect for it and and uh, yeah like I don't put on weight I don't put on muscle as quick as, as a lot of people do I think uh, you can as much eat, as man, we, I, know you, I know you can eat <laughs> well I have such a fast metabolism like yeah. like I can eat I can eat a huge amount I can carbo load like a motherfucker and then the next day I'll just do a longer, you know, exercise. Like um, I just, you know, and, and to what degree is that like, is that determined by my, you know, genetic code or to what degree is that, you know, patterns that I'm repeating? Like, I, I think that's a, that's a super deep dive or a chicken and an egg thing. But well, um, I mean, if you're trying, I to, if you're trying to put on muscle, there, there definitely can be genetic uh, hurdles to that. Right. But then also it's like, like you mentioned, you, you you're uh you're doing more running and a lot of cardio right like that right that i do a lot more in. cardio yeah right I do so a cardio, lot more cardio, cardio than does, I do heavy cardio does prevent muscle gain right like i mean it's your body has to think it needs the muscle so you got to train hard right. you got to train intensely you got to train right and then you got to eat and recover and it's too much cardio your body is just like i'm not going to put on more weight i'm i need to go run 20 right. miles right i'm very i'm very well conditioned 
my cardiovascular health and fitness is very good. I have a low resting heart rate. You know, I can go for a long time. But the thing that I would like to do moving forward is to stabilize my joints. Uh, yeah. You know, get my knees very much more stable. And so that takes a modality that I'm trying to explore. I'm learning that yeah. stretching is very important for me. Stretching is extremely running, important. When running, I wake running, up, might be, running might be like be a hindrance to that too right running is right, intense right right i don't i don't do as much run like I'll, I'll i'll do the elliptical or i'll do a lot of biking or skiing yeah. I, okay. I i i can't even really run man like because my yeah. knees will take the impact in and, and, and get inflamed but uh you know it bend oregon is a cool place in that it's a pretty darn outdoor recreational centric spot you know for still yeah. being you know a good old American town. So I want, okay, so that brings me to kind of another thing I want to pick your brain about. But firstly, on a positive note, before I, I go down the rabbit hole, is I'm intrigued to ask you what the best thing about, and you forgive me, the, the name of the town is? Timbuktu. Timbuktu no, in no. Ecuador. <laughs> Vilcabamba. It's called Vilcabamba. Vilcabamba. What's the best part of, I mean, it's not hard to see how gorgeous it is looking at the Andes there from your mm. view, but, but, but I'm curious to ask you what would, you know, as trite as a question as that might be, what's the best part of where you live? That's hard to answer. It's really hard to answer. I mean, the, the weather's kind of unbeatable, you know I mean? The sun's really nice. Like, there's a rainy season and a dry season. It gets windy up here where we live. Um, and there's so many things I could list off. I couldn't pick one favorite, right? Weather, good water, uh, good food, and we're able to basically do what we want. That's what I like. Like, you don't need, like, you can get, you get things done if you need them done, right? Like, if you need permits and stuff for certain things, it's usually pretty easy to do. But you don't. You know, there's not like municipal and there's not like, uh, what you call it? Municipal inspections going on for every single thing you want to do. Like we want to put up a water system here, we just put it up. If I want to build a garage, I'll just build a garage. And, you know, I mean, if you need permits, sometimes you get them later. Um, so I like that. Uh, people are pretty family oriented. So it's not, you know, people have multi-generational family homes that, yeah, exactly. So they've been kicking it in these same... Like a lot of these people, they have, you know, their grandmother lives in the same home. Um, very, very, they're very big on family. And I like that. And it's, uh, yeah, I'd say, I'd say that's, that's probably the, the top three or four, however many things I named. <laughs> that's beautiful. Do you think that you will, I mean, I know this is maybe a, a, a barbed question, but I, I don't mean it to be. Do you think that you will uphold that tradition? Do you feel that you are you're 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 in on the family first mentality of that way of life well, for I, mean, sure. I, yeah, I, yeah. I know it's kind yeah, of a softball yeah. question or you you feel what i'm saying though like like have you have you put into practice maybe rituals of you know do you guys all eat together and that kind of thing for sure yeah i mean our, our children they have responsibilities around the house they uh yeah, i mean they're, they're homeschooled so they they're here with us um yeah, I mean, we're, we're very family-oriented. We do everything together. That's right? beautiful, like we man. Don't, they, don't go, they, don't, they don't go and spend their days away from us. You know, they're, they're with us all day. That's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. I know from my perspective, 
as little as I would like to give anybody credit for anything in my life, because I found that to be a great foundation of the ability to make positive change. Um, it's my mm. fault. All my, all my faults are my fault and all my virtues are my doing. I have definitely been sculpted in a, in a, in a great amount from my childhood in the sense of my parents splitting up and so forth. And uh, I think that your, your parents split up too. And it's, 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 it's a positive upshot to hear that you have through great travel found and rooted in a culture that has not sold the, the, the family at the yeah. altar of profit. And I think that that's extremely important to speak to and to honor because I, bro, I would be a lost soul if I hadn't married a Brazilian woman. Like, wow. in the sense of the fact that she was born and raised, indoctrinated 100% in the very same way that I was in a culture of family first, where I was in a culture of self and profit first. And without her being the, the answer to my existential anger at that indoctrination, I would be a playboy, you know, looking for the next girl to fuck, you know, loser, loser. And the fact yeah. that there is a thriving culture in South America, you know, Ecuador, I, I understand in Brazil, that still, that still has the family that says, no, no, we're, we're families and that's what it is. And yeah. we don't give a fuck about something that's supposedly superordinate to that has saved my soul. And I can't overstate that. Um, and uh, man, I, I suppose mm -hmm. where that sends me, I mean, true from my heart, man, you know, word up. Mm -hmm. and, and where that sends me in, in fairness and kind of just, just imagination or, 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 or pontification or thought or whatever, if you like, is to a dark place of kind of anger towards, you know, the man in America and the American system. And this is where I was speaking to the idea of the rabbit hole, because you and all of your crusading, bro, and I'm going to jab you a little bit, but you know, I love you, have spoken at great length to some of the ills that let, let's say you've, 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 you've recognized in American culture. I'm not trying to bait you. Like if anything I'm saying is not accurate, just, just stop me or correct me. But I'm, I'm interested to, in, in this discussion, try to send the, the sinker of the fishing line as deep, uh, the weight as deep into your critique of the evils of Western culture. Because I know you've spoken to, like we're just starting to watch this Jeffrey Epstein thing on Netflix. And uh, yeah, that's just, that's just great... the surface, man. They don't even get into right, like where, right. you know, do, do they right. get into. So, so... I, I, we just watched like one episode and that's it. Yeah. Or, or maybe the, like, so in my, in my questioning you, I want to throw the, the barb of the hook to bring up the fish as deep as I can. Because yeah, so I know, let me, let me, right? yeah, go ahead. It, go ahead. So, 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 so yeah. So, so from my perspective, from a place of knowledge about life through my eyes and the experience of my life, all I can yeah. speak to, is being a good person is extremely foundational. It's, it's absolutely primarily foundational to me, me being able to navigate life 
as, as it is. If, I'm, if I don't have virtue as my, as my center, if I don't have a moral compass that's like the alethiometer and the golden compass, then I'm lost and I've been there before, yeah? So I know what it is to be morally ambiguous or be a moral relativist or, or, or be in a place where, like in college where I was, I was, I was exploring what it is to be virtuous and, and find my own voice and so forth. And I've, and I've gotten there, right, to a great degree. Like when I fuck up, I know it, yeah? So, so mm. as that is a conceptual framework, like really though, like if I have an, like I'm a pretty shut in guy, like I, I don't have a very big circle, like straight up. And when mm. I have social interactions, like you ask Isabella, like if I even, if I even think I, I affected somebody negatively, like it'll stew in me, yeah? So with that, with that as, as, as my structure for trying to understand other people or understand things or concepts or organizations or, 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 or concepts like good and evil outside of my own experience of myself and my choices, it's like, what in the fuck? And so I watched this thing on Epstein and I've, I've, you know, read some of your content a while ago and I, and I, and I am aware of things like war and, and the fucking Soviet gulags and, not, and Nazi, you know, uh, uh, camps and Maoist China and, and the capacity for evil in humanity, right? Like I, I mm. get, like, I've, I've educated myself to the point of being able to look inside of my own shadow and be like, okay, like people are capable of the worst shit, like period. Like hell on earth is a, is a real thing that has existed in these places that we can study in the 19th century, right? So all of that being said, the place that I come back to, and, I, and this is all preamble to the question that I'm putting to you, but the, all of that brings me back to my center and it's just like, all right, all I can do is be the best dude I can be. That's it, like that's all. I'm not, I'm not gonna go past that. Like hopefully I can find faith in the idea that by being a good human being, I can, I can create good networks and, and good community and so forth and so on. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's where I'm, that's where I'm rooted. Yeah. But then yeah. I watch, you know, any, any daytime television, which I don't, but like I'll watch like YouTube of some, of some kind of corporate news or I'll, mm -hmm. or I'll watch this Epstein thing or I'll, or I'll listen to these kinds of social commentaries about, about, you know, evil incarnate. And and you've 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 written to a lot of this stuff, and I haven't I haven't followed you for a little bit, but I just want I want to I want to go into the center of that for you. What what it is that that you feel is at the is at the bottom of it, if if that if that makes sense, if that's not too abstract or or, or uh, you know disjointed. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but I mean, it's it, I think you gotta. I mean, there's, you got to find a, a starting point for, for exploring this type of stuff. Right. But I, I mean, you were talking about family and, you know, the, the importance of family to you and, and being virtuous and being good. And it's like, I mean, the, the, the questions become, well, how, how do we know what's good? How do we know it's virtuous? Right. I mean, we're, we're, we live in a world where um, we're told through, <clears throat> we're, we're imprinted from a young age by television, by mass media. Uh, with images of what we're told is good, what we're told is right, what we're told is virtuous. We're kind of given this like Disney theology of <laughs> reality to a certain extent, right? And that's why cartoons play such an important role. I mean, the, in the Soviet Union, they were using cartoons not just for children, but for adults as well. 
right? I mean, there's been millions of dollars, billions of dollars go into mass media, go into, um, you know, giving us these images of what it is to be human, what it is to be a family, and what are the images that we're given through mass media? It's broken families, broken homes. It's, you know, the dad, the deadbeat, um, the mom makes the decisions and runs the show. The dad just wants to drink beer and watch TV. And, you know, I mean, this, like you get the, the Homer Simpson, uh, Ted, not Ted Bundy, uh, Al Bundy, um, Al Bundy, Archie Bunker going back in the day, right? I mean, it's like, and it's just gotten worse and worse over the years, right? When you look at the progression of mass media and the images that we've been given, it started out, they had to bait people in back in the 40s and 50s with it having virtuous messages, right? So you had leave it to Beaver and stuff like that, where in the end of the story, Beaver learns a lesson. His father helps to teach him what is right and what is wrong right. and how to tell the La difference. Lassie. Yeah, like there's like family values that were in these original, uh, they weren't sitcoms, but you know, the, the original television programming, they call it, why they call it that. So then that was, that was needed to to get it in the homes right like people didn't people didn't trust mass media people didn't want mass media um a lot of people were aware of what was done with mass media and the printing press already with things like soviet revolution uh, i mean the bolshevik revolution was a it was a, a bloody mess it was a terror campaign that was implemented through mass media through the printing press and when you look at who funded that it's actually i mean there's a book by uh, Anthony Sutton called Wall Street and the Bolshevik Revolution. And it's all about how the Bolshevik Revolution was bankrolled by Western banks. Shifts, um, a lot of these families, Warburgs, were involved in bankrolling the Soviet Union, bankrolling Trotsky and Lenin, and implementing communism. Now, why would monopoly capitalists, why would billionaire capitalists, billionaire philanthropists, why are they funding socialist revolutions and communist revolutions all over the world right what that doesn't make sense to a lot of people they're like that's ridiculous that can't be true that's exactly what marx wrote about too marx said that the uh the global communist state would be brought about by monopoly capitalism that monopoly capitalism is a vehicle through which the centralized banks could be brought about and through uh trading blocks you could eventually bring about through synthesis and you could bring about a you know global communist state. H.G. Uh, Wells wrote about the same thing, right? H.G. Wells, he was the son of, or he was a, rather not the son, but he was basically reared and mentored by T.H. Huxley, who was, they called him Darwin's bulldog. And he was the, the grandfather of Aldous Huxley and Julian Huxley. Julian Huxley started UNESCO. And now you have UNESCO all over the world pushing for uh, things like uh, common core, right? Bill Gates, common core, right? The common education for everybody, right? So these are all utopian ideals uh, concerning the shaping and forming of society through shaping and forming the psyche of man, through uh, shaping and forming the psyche of children and rearing them in a culture that imprints them. So and these people would believe in like basically in behaviorism, right? So the behaviorist so-called sciences, which basically is just weaponized anthropology, these people believe that if you just control the stimulus around an organism, you control its inner state, and they don't even believe in an inner state. All they believe is in its outward uh, behavior, right? So there's no reason in, in these people's philosophy and behaviorism, there's no reason to believe in a human soul or even thoughts. They don't even believe these exist. All that exists 
is outward manifestation of behavior that is ultimately only controlled by manipulation of environmental factors, right? Of course, they don't go to the next stage and say, okay, well, who manipulates the environmental factors? You know what I'm saying? It's like, so, so we, through our will, in, can manipulate environmental factors around ourselves, around families, around other people to try to influence their behaviors. And that's, you know, that's essentially what we're looking at with the breakdown of the family. This isn't something that's accidental. That's just a, uh, you know, accidental thing in the West. This is something that is by design to bring about the destruction of the very fabric of the society that we live in through constant critique, right? Through constant critique, which is, uh, you know, the, the idea of always critiquing everything, right? Critiquing the very core of That's our society. That's interesting. Yeah. The Frankfurt School brought this about, right? And this was, um, the Frankfurt School came out of Germany. And a lot of these academics came to the U.S. and uh, essentially built the university system on the backbone of this cultural Marxism idea of constantly critiquing everything. So this, uh, so all the social justice warrior stuff you see now, all this, um, all this, these dialectics, these managed dialectics in media that we see now about social justice, about, uh, you know, reforming our society and building, they use words like equity, right? An equitable world, right? What does that even mean, right? What, social justice, what does that even mean? These are empty terms that are used to basically induce hypnosis, mass hypnosis in the people. And this is the same rhetoric that was used in the French Revolution, the same rhetoric that was used in the Bolshevik Revolution and in the Maoist Revolution, and ultimately results in the destruction of culture, the destruction of history, and the breaking down of the foundation of society. The family is the nucleus through which knowledge about how to live in the world, how to uh, grow your own food, how to maintain culture is transmitted through the family. If you can break that and you can educate a child from a young age, these people believe that they can create this, you know, this utopia where, um, as I said, it's not really a utopia. They sell it to us as a utopia, but it's basically a Hindu caste style system where you have a technocratic elite of experts. Right. I knew you were going to say technocrat. I was going to, I was going to, I was going to injunct that, or I was going to, I was going to inject that if you didn't say that word, but keep going. I don't yeah. mean to interrupt you. Yeah, te the technocracy. I mean, this is, this is what it is. Technocracy means rule by the experts. And who are the experts? Well, the ones that claim they're experts. How do you know they're experts? Well, because the TV tells you so, right? So you have Fauci. Fauci is an expert, right? This expert, Fauci, has been wrong about every single model and prediction that he's given so far about this so-called pandemic. And, you know, what, what we see here is an eroding of our freedoms in the name of saving ourselves, right? It's like this uh, very Orwellian doublespeak about you know, stay home and save lives, right? Go outside and wear a mask, right? Wear an oxygen deprivation muzzle, wear a face diaper, and you're going to save the planet, give up your jobs, stay home. This is what I'm seeing now, in my opinion. This is mirroring what happened in both the French Revolution, Bolshevik Revolution, and shoot, also the, Mao the Maoist Revolution, where you have a shutdown of everything, right? The economy shut down, people aren't able to work, chaos right a controlled dialectic of managed chaos to bring about a new economic order and that new economic order is based on social credits the new economic order is based on social justice which is a it's a meaningless term ultimately that can be used to it could be for people to project their insecurities their um all their passions on right like the the idea of social justice where everybody right. is oppressed right all these every every group is oppressed and there's the oppressed and the oppressors. It's this weird theology of, right. it really comes down to, it builds up greed and it builds up 
envy in people, right? It's about envy and everybody wants everything to be equal. So what we're seeing brought in now is this new economic model. And to bring this in, while destroying the family structure, while eroding the uh, all these systems that, I mean, I'm not saying, like the, the old order was by no means perfect. Uh, but this is just the next step in the technocracy. It's bringing in the next phase of the technocracy, which is about biological control, constant testing. And ultimately it's about eugenics and population control uh, because these people who have automated everything already and created the industrial, uh, bankrolled the industrial revolution, brought in the trains, brought in automation now, they call it the post-human era. They say people are needed. The Wall Street Journal published an article the other day saying, uh, looking forward to the end of humanity. And it's all about the what's called the fourth industrial revolution, which is automation, tracking and tracing everything, and a managed zero growth economy based not on GDP, but based upon ideas like wellness and justice, right? That's, that's kind of a, you know, there's a lot there, but um, yeah. And you know, the Epstein thing, just to, to bring it back full circle and then uh, and I'll finish up on that, right? The Epstein thing, I haven't watched this documentary yet, but from what I've heard is it only broaches really the surface of what is actually known and what's uh, come it out. Kinda, it kind of tiptoes around what was really going on. It's all, it's all kind of narrative storytelling. It's not firsthand account. You know when you see a good documentary and you're getting into the, the meat of it. This is not that. And I don't, I'm no expert on it. Yeah, so there's a lady called Maria Farmer, and she did an interview with Whitney Webb. Whitney Webb has, ju has done a lot of good journalism on this sub uh, subject. She she was writing for some other website, but she writes for uh, LastAmericanVagabond.com now. And uh, I think they're more like left-leaning, more like anarcho-socialist. I'm not sure like where they exactly are on the political spectrum, but she she's not – she doesn't charge it up politically like you're going to see with you know Fox News, CNN, and all this other mumbo jumbo. Uh, she did a really good job. She interviewed Maria Farmer, who was one of the Epstein victims from the age of like 17. And there's a lot that's come out. And what what this woman says, Maria Farmer, and what becomes really obvious when you look at the web of connection around Epstein, he was given his New York uh, mansion by a guy named Wexner, Leslie Wexner. Leslie Wexner ran. The Limited, he owned, um, he still owns, uh, Abercrombie and Fitch, which sexualizes children and has been doing pornographic stuff with children for a long time now. Uh, Victoria's Secret, which is all about you know, hypersexuality of women and objectification of women. Uh, he owns these companies. And he also bought an airline that was kind of a notorious CIA front airline. <laughs> when it went bankrupt, he ended up purchasing this airline back in the, I think it was the late 80s, early 90s. Anyways, Wexner, from what the eyewitnesses say, the uh, the victims, one of the victims, Maria Farmer especially, have uh, said is that Wexner was the guy who was really running the show. He was the big money behind Jeffrey Epstein, and he's the only publicly known client of Epstein who actually gave him his New York um, Manhattan apartment, not apartment, but it was like a massive, uh, I don't even know what you call it. It's like a mansion, Manhattan, biggest, most expensive home in Manhattan, where he had a room that was encased in lead with all kinds of surveillance equipment in it that was surveilling all the rooms in the house. And that's where uh, a lot of these celebrities used to go hang out. Um, we know that Cuomo, the governor of New York, flew on it. He was in Epstein's Black Book. And he, uh, I'm not sure if he flew on his airline. Uh, I probably just visited his mansion there. That's where Prince Andrew. Uh, was photographed going in and out of this place several times. I and saw an interview of Prince Andrew 
I'm, it was very unbecoming of Epstein. It was very unbecoming of him. Dude, I'm a, I'm a reasonable guy. If you ask me a question, I'll give you a reasonable answer. I'll do my very, I'll do my very best to be honest with myself in, 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 in answering said question. Doesn't mean I have the best answer, but I hold myself to that standard. Watching the, one of the fucking princes of the, of the United Kingdom, I realize that there are people in very high places with respect to money and power and so forth that are, that are not reasonable or rational. Or, or moral. He's just a spoiled like, brat. Like you could tell, he was so arrogant. Like, oh, like I'm going to go, and I'm gonna, I'm going to just go and tell these people how it is. I'm going to put down my foot. I'm going to. They're going. They're going to believe everything I say. It was so funny. It was so, so it was, disconnected with reality. I would argue. Like, yeah. If he but was he a was, kid, like I wouldn't respect him as a person. I, if he was ooh. on the, the playground, I would be like, I don't, I'm not, not talking to that fucking weirdo. Right. Like, I mean, you know? Think about this. His so Prince Charles, his father, uh, was very close friends with Jimmy Savile, and the Jimmy Savile thing is way gnarlier than the. Um, I don't know if you know who Jimmy Savile is. S a v i l l e. He was the Beatles. He was like the Beatles tour manager back in the day, and he he is no, a notorious outed pedo dude who did some of the most like not just abusing children. Uh, not, not just sexual abuse. We're talking about like weird ritual abuse stuff, uh, and uh, necrophilia and things like that. He had the keys to, to mental hospitals and children's hospitals that he was given through the royal family. He was knighted. There's pictures of him with uh, Pope John Paul II. So his father was very, very close with him. Prince Philip also was friends with Saville. Saville was like he was really in with the royal family, and everybody was taught. I mean. Johnny Rotten back in the day in the eighties said that it's everybody knows that Jimmy Savile is a child predator and stuff like that. Um, Johnny Rotten from the, what's the band of uh, sex pistols. So it finally came out, but not till after the dude died <laughs> after he died, it finally came out. All these victims started coming forward and talking about the horrible things this man was doing. So it's not just Epstein. There are a lot of other people that are involved in this stuff. The Nexium cult was another thing that came out recently with, Rainier, you remember the actresses that were getting branded? So they were involved in child. I, I don't. Okay, so it was Nexium. It's like it's spelled weird. It's like N V X I V M. No, N X N X I V M Nexium. And this was a. They were branding these celebrities, like this lady that was in Smallville, and they were recruiting other celebs into this weird sex cult. And this guy that was running it, he told them he was the smartest man in the world, and he was like blessed by the Dalai Lama and all these things. It just really weird connections with uh, the Bronfman family, which is, I think is their pharmaceutical family. One of the richer uh, billionaire families in the United States, which was involved in bankrolling this dude. Um, there were connections just with so many of these people in Hollywood and they were involved in, in child uh, trafficking as well. I mean, you also had the John of God cult who would, Oprah used to have this guy on and he was in Brazil. And he ended up being arrested. I think they, he was let off. The charges were dropped. John uh, of God? John of God. Zhao de have God. You ever heard of, have you ever heard of John of God? Zhao de God? Yeah. And he went to prison? He got in trouble? Yeah, Isabella's heard of him. I he went to prison for a little bit, and then he got like exonerated. But uh, there were victims who were saying that he was, like, he had baby farms. Like he was like basically farming babies and he had these women working in, uh, in mines. When he got arrested, he had like a whole sack of emeralds 
on him. So like this is, I mean, this is how. That's some like Dungeons and Dragons shit, dude. dude I killed the bad guy. I got a bag of emeralds. I'm gonna go to the, you know. Emeralds, dude, like, like yeah. you know, millions of dollars worth emeralds on him, right? So this is how these people roll. Like they're, they're trading in things like human beings, precious stones, um, and art, right? They use, the, the elite use high art. This is why you see these, these paintings will get sold for like $50 million or like there's like a billion dollar, uh, it's like a banana nailed to a wall and it sells for a billion dollars. What is that? That uh-huh. this is lo- this money laundering you see going on. Right. Stuff. So right. 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 That makes, that makes sense. So you, you have blackmail, um, really dark things that do go on and that have been revealed many times that are going on at the upper echelons of, uh, the financial world. And that's not just an accident. That is these people use that for, you know, blackmail control. Epstein was running a blackmail ring. It's pretty obvious. Even, you know, just on the surface stuff that the news talks about, he was running a blackmail ring. He was initiated into this likely by his girlfriend, Ghislaine Maxwell. Uh, Ghislaine's father was an infamous um, spy in MI6 and also the Mossad. He was killed by Mossad. He was a media mogul. He was like the Ted Turner of England, of the UK in the 70s. And there's a book called Robert Maxwell, Israeli Super Spy, um, all about her father. So they... These connections paint a picture of how things work, and it's a lot like like the old Bond movies. You know what I'm saying? It really is a lot like the old Bond. So what it sounds like, just just too too crazy to believe, and yet it's true. And Epstein. So to bring it back, and then I'll I'll drop it, I'll land it here, and then we can uh, you know go on other things or what. If you want to go deeper in anything, it's fine. Um, The Epstein thing is really interesting when it when you look at what else he was doing. He had a ranch in New Mexico. And there's a New York Times article, you know, mainstream media has talked about this. He was obsessed with eugenics. And this is why he was working with all these guys like Steven Pinker, uh, Ben Gertzel, who's a transhumanist. He was obsessed with the idea of transhumanism, man-machine interfaces, uploading your consciousness so you could live forever, which is like r- ridiculous in my opinion. And um, he was obsessed with eugenics and seeding the earth with his, what he believes is superior genetics. So, so at the upper echelons of society, you have people who've been for multiple generations intentionally breeding families, even interbreeding, inbreeding families. You had the Darwins and the Wedgwoods uh, always breeding together back in the day. And they used, you know, basically Darwinism was a justification for their philosophical ideas, their theolo- theological ideas of themselves being the, you know, the more evolved human beings who had the superior germplasm. Epstein was involved in this type of stuff too. And he was using that. He wanted to use his, his ranch in New Mexico. And he was working with all these scientists on this, these ideas um, to seed the human race and to impregnate like loads of women with his superior genetics and have basically a little Epstein baby farm where he you know, pops out his little ectogenetic super, superior Epstein ubermensch, like Nazi idea. I mean, this is the ideas that the Nazis were whipped for publicly are the same ideas, these came out of the West, these came out of these big foundations, these came out of the Rockefeller Foundation. Uh, the, they've, these big foundations, like the Rockefeller Foundation, like the Gates Foundation, they are pushing the same eugenics ideas, rebranded, right? So it's about controlling human evolution and breeding, ultimately, and of course, depopulation is something that all of these people are obsessed with. So when you look at like the classic Bond villain uh, archetype, it really is based on something that is real. And the guy who wrote the Bond book, Ian Fleming, that guy actually was a, uh, an MI6 
spot. Like he actually did know a lot of what he was talking about. And when you look at some of these things like Moonraker, where the guy wants to uh, basically breed a super race and feed the earth and then depopulate the world and kill all the, the weak people. And then just his thieves will, will you know, repopulate the planet. These are real ideas that a lot of these people in the elite really have. These aren't just things that people make up. This is the Nazi ideology. This was pushed through um, the United States eugenics program. They were sterilizing people in California. They were saying, these people who have inferior genes, we're going to forcefully sterilize you. And many states forcefully sterilize psychiatric patients. And there was even a famous like billionaire family where the mother said that, oh, this, my daughter's feeble-minded. We need to sterilize her. Like These things were happening a hundred years ago in the United States out in the open they went underground after they were demonized in uh during World War II and um now what we see today is these billionaires like uh, Epstein and they call themselves philanthropists right like when you reach when you're when you get to the Bond villain level you get to be a philanthropist on Wikipedia right so it's like Bond villain level misanthropy you get to call yourself a philanthropist so you know I mean uh, a lot of people think that Bill Gates is trying to save the world. He's going to save all these black people. He just wants to save us all. Well, why is Melinda Gates saying we should test? Why are they testing these experimental vaccines? A lot of them, which actually modify your genetic code, they want to test them first. And they do this every time on poor black people in Africa. And there's always adverse reactions. There's always going to be some adverse reactions. And some of these things are very, very dangerous. So these people are very, um, very eugenically minded. And it, it's really... It's not about, it's not just like this accident that the family unit has been eroded. It's not just this accident that the media is out there telling everybody, yeah, it's, you can't go outside and protest lockdowns, but you can go protest and burn down cities and, and vaguely demand social justice, which like just opens up for massive societal changes from the ground level up. And um, yeah, so there's tons to unpack there, I'm sure. So I'll just, uh, I'll shut it down. No, I appreciate it. I, I, I honor to what degree you've, you've learned about these kinds of things. It, it makes my head spin, man, because like I've consciously worked in my life to limit my connection with people that fuck me up. Like my circle is very small. You feel me? So like to, to, to face the fact that there are very large circles out there composed entirely of just like the worst kinds of interactions people can have blackmail and right. you know i mean obviously much worse than that in terms of well, like imagine being a politician like what you're dealing what are you dealing with and you're trying to run for state or something like that you're surrounded by so many snakes there's so much big money involved and there's so many shady games i mean that that show what was that show with frank underwood back in the day uh um, yeah, that it was a good show, and then it put a bad taste on my. I'll, I'll, it'll come to me the name of it. it. It put a bad taste in my mouth when I realized how fucking much of a mirror it was to reality. It was. It was probably, mm. if anything, undershooting the okay. reality of. The, but it showed a lot. It showed like a lot in there. It did. It did. How blackmail yeah. was used. How he's always blackmailing everyone around him. Always looking for one level up on he, on other people. How he, how he was using a, an upstart, uh, kind of an independent journalist uh, minded, you know, young woman to to you know put forth the stories that benefited him, and then when she became yeah. a liability, fucking murdered her in cold blood. And it's like that's, <laughs> yeah. that's not right. That doesn't happen. This is crazy. And then you're like, wait. There's only seventy five thousand cases of that happening, you know. Like, <laughs> right, like, you know, like this shit happens, you know. And it's like, God, like I just well, know. It sucks. it sucks, and it's like not everybody does. It's not like 
look, it, it, not everybody needs to know about these things, right? But this, I think our ignorance is what does, our ignorance and our ability to be compromised like that, it does, this is how it happens, right? It spreads like right. that through all of our, our own individual human weakness where we, where right. we submit to, to untruth, right? Or where we, uh, you know, allow ourselves to be caught up in, in the passions. And it's not like these, right. these politicians who are getting caught up in these blackmail rings who get, you know, photographed with kids and stuff like that. Like all this gross stuff that happens. It's not like these people are born and they're just like, oh, I can't wait to grow up and become like a terrible Right, kids are good. Kids are good. You know, you put a black kid and a white kid, they'll hug and play. You put a gay kid and a straight kid, they don't give a fuck, you know? Like, yeah, no, no, there, there's something to be said to your point, not to interrupt you, that evil is learned. Good is innate, I would argue. Like, I think that there's a lot of truth to that. Yeah, I think we, well, we, we're all, we all are able to fall prey to evil through our what we call the passions that can get hijacked right like things like the desire for like it's not it's not a bad thing for like a man to want to control his immediate realm right so you should like you're a father you're gonna have to like you're gonna have to control your your little realm right. around you right you that's a natural me? impulse I feel you. yeah it's like we, we should be controlling our own urges right it's like we're gonna have we might have violent urges sometimes when it's like that needs to be curbed right we might see our children you know, picking on each other or something. And it's like, you gotta, hey, you know, don't do that, right? So to control your environment is not inherently bad. So what is the seed of corruption that goes in there? It's, we open ourselves up to this corruption, those passions, like the desire to eat, right? Like we have to eat to keep ourselves alive, but then we can become gluttonous, right? And it's not, every once in a while, you're gonna have to like, you, you might go through periods of time where you're having to fast, where you have, little access to good food and then after that you're going to gorge on food you're gonna be so hungry but if it's like you just have access to all this decadent food all the time you're gonna become a fat useless idiot so this is like it's it's the, the passions get hijacked like that and it's not these the passions are not inherently bad it's not inherently bad to uh you know like sexual desire is not inherently bad it's like that we it, it's something that's that's blessed and given to us by the creator but then to to obsess over that and to make an idol out of it, where it's like our whole life is like about you know finding some hole to you know manipulating some women some woman to open up her legs to you so you can you know plant your plant your peony in there and then spooge on the ground. It's like that's you know that's going to be destructive to you for in the long run because you're going to be addicted to it. And so it's same with like you know, medicines, right? Like you have the opium poppy. That's something that could be really really useful. They used to use it for coughs for like when kids had bronchitis or something you know they give them opium they give them you know cannabis is a medicine that can be used but then like we can just become lazy stoners or junkies if we uh if we use these wrong i want to i want to speak to that i really love that you're talking to this idea of passions this is something that has been a um exploration for me recently i i do my best to consume good media that is to say people that are thought-provoking um, people that, as I feel, are acting in good faith. I listened to a good talk. Um, uh, there's a there's a channel, Rebel Wisdom. It's it's as it's as shitty and small minded and corrupt as any other media institution. But the but the guy holds himself to a fairly high standard and he has interesting speakers. He he tries to to make his claim to fame being close to or being a highly pointed critiquer of you know 
critic of the intellectual dark web, which is uh -huh. very intriguing to me. Uh, well, Peterson and Rubin, and not, I'm not speaking to any of them individually as some person to follow. I'm just saying they, they, are a, they are a group of people that I find to be talking about interesting things. So you got mm -hmm. Peterson, Rubin, Weinstein, Rogan, like, again, I'm not fanboying out. I'm just saying that this is an interesting thing to me. And so, um, uh, to speak to passions. And, it, and, and this, is a, this is a kind of a diatribe that I want to try to flesh out because it's interesting to me. Yeah. So, it's super helpful, I, I contend, to explore the idea that, and this is not a new idea, this is something that, you know, I've heard talked about on Peterson's thing, he talks about as being foundational to Jungian psychology. You've obviously heard it in terms of like Greek and classical, um, you know, you know, um, Aristotelian and, and, and Platonic, you know, theater and so forth. And, and you, you speak to it in the idea of the passions. Um, this idea that the person is not just First of all, we're not static, yeah? Like, we're not, we're not just a thing that can be categorized. Like, anybody who's taken a, an honest look at themselves would concede that point. I'm not, I'm not trying to make points. I'm just, I'm just trying to get my thinking out in, uh, in an articulated fashion. Like, I think it's very helpful to explore the idea that the self, it, you know, in, 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 in any honest movement towards improvement however modest is composed of auton i've heard of it called autonomous forces exactly how you articulated it we have interests we don't control what we're interested in i'm interested in you know this or that and it intrigues me i like to watch surfing content right i love surfing like i didn't decide to be interested in surfing it speaks to me on some on some metaphysical level right uh as you say the 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 the, the, the impulse or the passion to be you know the king of one's castle as, as is easily justifiably moral to be a good father. One has to be able to articulate that, like these autonomous forces, the sexual desire and so forth. Okay. So if we start there, and I think that that's a fair premise that, that we could both agree upon a realized person, a person who's a good person. Yeah. Would be somebody who is able to manage those. I think it might be obtuse to say like always control them because it's like, there's sometimes I got to go work out. I'm like, Babe, I need to go work out. Like I need to, I need to process some energy. Like yeah. that, that autonomous force gets to a, 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 a boiling point, let's say. Okay, so I hold myself to that standard. And I know when I fuck up. I, I know, I feel it in my chest. It, one, one of the things that you had mentioned a moment ago when we were speaking to the very existential reality of evil, you're like, well, how do you choose good and evil? How do you know? And I, and I had yeah. a, a visceral reaction, and that is I feel it. I know when I fuck up. I know when I've done wrong. I've done wrong plenty of times and i knew yeah. every time you feel me well, what about and these so, people who like they makes them feel good to mess with other people you know what i'm saying like you and you like we right. as children you probably felt this at certain times where it's like you're manipulating somebody to do what you want to do just because you're bored or something like you know like when ch children are just right. picking on each other in school and stuff it's like right so we can be right so we can we I can train our feelings and it could be entrained like to, to think that something later on, we look back, it's like, oh, that was wicked what I was doing. That was awful. But well, I, I think, thought that that was fun. I think we can speak to that in the same model of the passions. Yeah. I would argue, I, I think that that kind of behavior 
speaking speaking for when I've when I've done that because I've done it. I'm no I'm no yeah. more immune than the next person. Is yeah, when that passion. You feel me? When 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 that passion is in control. If I'm mm-hmm. in the grips of lust, and then I go, you know, God forbid, cheat or do something stupid or or, or hit on some chick. You know, Venus was in charge, or God, or or you feel me? Like I can speak to it in the mythologic in the mythological sense. I wasn't in control of my stars in that behavior pattern, or whatever. And and okay, so so if you buy that, like the passions can take control of a person. Mm-hmm then maybe these larger circulations of evil conduct is like Mars incarnate or is like a passion working to its own ends through people. And I think that that's fairly justifiable. You feel me? Because they, they get groups of people that are under the, the, the influence of something autonomous often outsource their own sovereignty their own sacred humanity to some deity or, or to some, to some yeah. external source of, of, you know, of, of conscious moral rectitude. And I think that that's, yeah, that's scares, absolutely. you feel me? Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. But I, I would say that rather than calling them like, like Venus and Mars, the way we see it, it's like, we believe that. Right, these, call these them whatever you want. Yeah, but it's right, like, call, we, we think call them whatever you want. the demonic forces, right? So it's like from in Christian sure. theology, in the in the orthodox worldview we believe that the passions are created by god and our will our free will is also created by god we're created we're made in the image and likeness of god and the passions can be played upon by demonic forces and influenced by demonic forces and when we open ourselves up and become beholden to those demonic forces then what you get is the procession of history of the fall. like so I, it's like I, the, I think the I feel you I I think there's a moral relativistic booby trap and that is one's demons are another's angels your your enemy's angels are your demons so it's there is there is a there is a frame that occurs i would argue from one's perspective so my my thesis here is given the 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 scaffolding of understanding that we're building around moral behavior and i think it's a really good one because it's not we just we didn't just spitball it this is something that a lot of smart people a lot of of righteous people have put forth this kind of abstracted out idea of the 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 pitfalls of human behavior to fall up into wills that are not our own so yeah, exactly. I would argue, you feel me? So I would argue that good people uphold their own responsibility for conscious conduct in the world. And I know right away, not that I'm any better than anybody else. It's just, I feel in my chest right away when I'm around a person like that. Yeah. I can tell, I can feel it there. When a person holds themselves to a standard that is sacred, and not sacred that's been told to them. Not sacred that they worship because it's a part of a organized group. Sacred because it's what animates the, their chakras. It's what gives them life. It's what allows them to conduct themselves righteously. So, okay, so what the fuck is my point? My point is I'm super intrigued when we talk about this kind of systematic attack on these things like the family and these things like personal sovereignty in terms of we've got indoctrination machines and in all of our you know first world homes and to me 
it's so palpable that it's it's like you said a moment ago like dude we need a like a starting point because like there's so much it's like for me to just like be a good me it's almost it's it's difficult for me to start speaking to it because I end up getting into like a political discussion about Democrats versus Republicans with somebody who's just ideologically possessed by, you know, talking points on one side of the political spectrum. Or I'm talking to somebody that I go rock climb with and this person is telling me how white males are the problem. And it's like, I can't, I can't be around ideologues. I can't. It's, 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 it's Girl, bad for my but health. Isn't that, is that isn't that your ideology? <laughs> if you can't be around ideologues, right? No, no it's it my just feeling. The, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, but it's, I, I get what you're saying. Like, and when you said, and I agree with, you said something that was really important. And you said, like, we can't just spitball it. Like, we can't just spitball, like, oh, like, this is the truth because I said it's the truth, right? Right. But I was, right. I'm, I'm not like, sitting here. Yeah, I'm not trying that. to preach. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but we should, shouldn't we also apply that to, like, like morality? It's like something's not just right because I feel that it's right. You know what I'm saying? It's like there were times where I felt it was right for me to like, oh, like I'm going to get some like Oxycontins and like, and like, you know, drink right, a beer. But, and we're, but were you being oxygen. honest with yourself? Yeah. But it's like at that. So it's like, I know, like, I think, all right. So for, for us to, to maintain consistency, rationality, and to actually have right and wrong, it's got to be there. There has to be a, a unifying, you know, ultimate arbiter of what is right and wrong there is objective truth outside of my my opinion outside of my feelings outside of your feelings and and, and your opinion there's an objective truth right, right but i would argue, I, I feel you i think and when I we feel to when it. we feel right. what is right when we know what is right it's not because we just decided like oh it's like i'm autonomous and i'm going to be me and this is my right and this is my truth no we feel what's right because we line up with what is ultimately actually true in right. the reality beyond just our own feelings beyond just our own passions being played like puppet strings we there right. is a truth and there's what is right and wrong and when we say we feel it it's not like we feel it as in like oh it just feels good in like a uh, hedonistic sense right because sometimes right right no no it's not a superficial it. feeling right sometimes it's, it's you're depriving deep. yourself of pleasure to do what is right you right, know what I'm saying? Right. Like, yes, sir. Like second you know, order. There could be a pleasure of like, right. you know, lust, right? You mentioned lust. Like, oh, I'm going to go, I'm just going to go and, and, and submit to lust. And I'm going to, I'm going to go like go some, I don't know, like a Tinder orgy, right? Like that's, I'm going to go have right. a, have a freaking orgy right now. And, and, and then just, you, that could feel good. And, and during it, it's like, oh, this feels right. Like I just, you know, released this, my, my fluids and I'm great now. But then that doesn't make it right, right? So right and wrong has to be something that, that, that is beyond ourselves. And it's not just like, oh, I feel this is right because I feel it's right because I'm me and I'm, I'm not beholden to anyone else. It's no, I'm beholden to the truth and I seek what is ultimately actually real, true and good. And my will lines up with that. And that's when we get dialed in with the truth. So it's like lining up our will with the truth doesn't mean just doing our own will. It means right. lining up our will with what I call the will of God, right? That's what we believe is the will of God, the will, true reality, true good and bad has to be determined by you can only you can only have right and wrong real right and wrong that's not just oh i feel like it's right or wrong or it's look 
a million and one people say this is right and 999,999 people say this is wrong, therefore it's right. No, 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 it's gotta be, there is right and wrong, right? And if that is real, if there is right and wrong outside of ourselves, it requires there to be a, not just God, but a personal God that we interface with constantly, a personal God that is um, the creator of everything and that's who determines right and wrong. So I think that's the only real rational uh, way to explain right and wrong is there has to be God. I don't, I don't disagree. I, I agree wholeheartedly. The, 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 the pitfall I see in the translation of, of, that, of that, whatever you'd like to call it, in a way that is respectful of, of that kind of assertion, in the Western ethos is very dangerous, in, in my opinion, because I would contend that's a personal process. It can't be, yes, sir. It can't be that one goes to somebody else for that interface. And I think that that's central to a lot of what's the evil of Western culture is that we're mediated by companies. We're mediated in how we communicate with, with others, whether it's Zoom right now and you know their inherent ability to pull whatever they want from this conversation. That's whether what I'm it's, saying. It's like if God revealed, like the truth is revealed and it's written on our hearts and we understand we know the truth right. because right. we all know God and nobody, there's nobody that doesn't know God. There's nobody that doesn't that, know. That's, that's, to, that's to the point. Yes, sir. I don't mean to interrupt you, but see, but see then don't, can't we articulate effectively the pitfall of organized religion in that you can very easily give this to a naive person or a young person in the package of I'm your liaison. So just put money in the hat. I'm your liaison. I've talked to them longer than you have. Exactly. So like, that's to what what I have to say. There are millions of false religions out there, but there is truth. There is right. real reality and there is real truth. Right. Right. So I mean so, to say that like or the, to reject any to reject any of them. I mean there there also there are spiritual authorities that are not just God. There are people, there are individuals who are who are blessed by God, who are especially blessed and who do, right? We all have the ability to line ourselves up with the will of God. And we all have the ability to just fall to demonic forces and become, you know, basically become evil, to do evil, right? So we have that ability. So just to reject ever respecting um, something like when you, you, you mentioned, and you know, when, I, when I was growing up, I always thought the idea of Right. There's this like w critique that comes through the lens of, oh, organized religion is bad, but God is good, right? And that's kind of like the Protestant Western ethos. That is a Western ideal, that organized religion is bad. That's a libertarian ideal. And it, was, it rose out of the schism, right, where you had Rome and the, the Roman Catholic Church doing all sorts of nonsensical things, declaring all sorts of terrible dogmas, and it ended up splintering to a thousand different Protestant sects, which then resulted in, you know, a lot of, you know, more atheism, uh, materialism flourishing. And now what we have is this, uh, you know, the idea of uh, the exalting of what's called reason, right? Reason becomes the new God. But right, right. I, I, I heard a great one. Not to interrupt you. I apologize. But I, just to speak to your point, I, I've heard really, really good speakers speak to the idea of atheists. But, really, really, really um, 
pointed critique that's so witty and they like like a like a um a person like rupert sheldrake who i i think is a, a fascinating guy to listen to um calls them calls the new age like sam harris types practicing atheists yeah, yeah. There, there's no removal from the need for spiritual practices things like meditation things like moral behavior you know it's just this exaltation of the idea of logic and reason becomes a superordinate uh, idea to the, uh, I don't know, very existence of a, of a higher power. I, I, right, I think that's that? a How fascinating thing. Here's a great way of putting it, right? So Sam Harris, right? I don't, you know, my, the critique on Sam Harris. So, oh, we know because of our reason and our logic, we know there's no God. <laughs> so it's like, this, this is like their argument, right? In a nutshell very dumbed down that's what they're saying right they're saying there's no god right, right? i can't we hear it i can't taste it i can't touch it it's not real yeah, that's obvious it. it's not real. and it's like so then, so then yeah. there is no sam harris i can't measure sam harris like you he, he says that it's all deterministic the universe is all determined we're just uh random chance has created this uh you know we're just basically fleshy billiard balls bouncing around a table in a predetermined manner then he wants us to give him credit for writing his book. Isn't he just predetermined to write this book? Aren't people who are religious, aren't they just predetermined? Isn't this just the natural evolution of things for people to be religious, right? So they really don't have an argument there, but there's also, it's like when you ask somebody who's an atheist, how they know what is true and how they know it's true that there can't be a God or they, they know that, uh, how they know what is real and what is true, they'll say, well, because of logic and reason. So they know that everything is materialistic, right? Through reason and logic. Reason and logic are not material, cannot be measured. And if you ask them how they know what's reasonable and logical, their whole paradigm crumbles right there. So you're always right. two questions away from making an atheist right. appeal to this, the magical spaghetti monster in the sky that they're always trying to straw man. That's reason to them. Reason is their, right. their man in the cloud in the sky. Logic right. is their man in the cloud in the sky. Without right. God. Without right. God, exactly. you can't have reason or logic reason is truth right that is revealed to us coming from god it's like there, there's not there can't be reason logic right wrong or even should you can't even have a should without there being a metaphysical reality that goes beyond just uh just the physical so it's like to say yeah, like we should not believe in god is a moral statement morality requires metaphysics right to say you should believe the my argument or you should listen to reason that is a moral statement why should we listen to reason why should we listen to logic and why should logic be true or real so it's like the, the ideas they really do crumble and you know what's crazy to land this wide meandering airplane of a rant uh, what's funny is what's his face uh, sam harris that dude ha he has a guru now <laughs> he has a guru he, like preach, a he preaches meditation yeah he talks about meditation it's like dude like you can't just, measure just, that, bro. Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, uh, okay. So the, the death of God was proclaimed many yeah. years ago, right? Philosophically, in an interesting and, and poignant uh, critique of Western culture. And I, I'm just parroting this, but I find it to be fascinating and, and applicable to the conversation. The problem with that, right? The problem with the exaltation, you still there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
the, the, the problem with that, right? The problem with the superposition of this idea of logic, which of course is, is self-aggrandizing, right? Listen to me, I'm such a great orator. I have direct access to logic. And of course that other person's not as smart. So he's got to Yeah, we're the priest, the new priests of logic is like, right? I mean, it's, it's so, so the real problem with that, and I've heard this articulated and it's, it's, it's something that I've tried to, tried to digest and I find it to be really, really interesting and, and it and informs my behavior in a positive direction. And that's how I think is a fair way of judging the validity of, of information, right? Does it make me be better? If it does, that's good shit, right? If it's not, probably should try something else. Uh, as soon as God's gone, conceptually in a culture, let's say, mm-hmm. as, soon as, the, as soon as the idea of something overarching to strive yeah. towards that we can all agree upon when that we're- Good and bad that's, not, that's determined not just by us and our will, right? Right. Right. And that, we, and, the, and that we all hold one another to, that we all, you know, gather once a week and we say, you know, hey, we're, we're, we're working on it, you know, and there's, and mm-hmm. then it, 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 like, as an aside to the point that I'm going to make, the very idea of God throughout time has informed the, the, the celebration of culture, right? I mean, the, the church is a meeting place and it's a place mm-hmm. that brings the community together and it's a place that the sacraments of new birth and weddings and you know the, the joining of a, a relationship like there's it's not an accident that that the connection with the higher power has has fundamentally kept humanity thriving in a very tangible way in a in a in a in a humanist way right not in some real weird abstract hokey pokey unlogical way in a way where it's like i have a family and we're together and we have people that we that we talk to regularly in our in our and our society is doing well and we walk to the town square like it has real measurable benefits okay so that's an aside but if that goes away and it has in america we we both know that i mean i you know it, 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 there's no God in America. We, the, 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 the American ethos worships these, these terribly yeah, liberty, false idols. Money, of happiness, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. What does that mean? It's, right? What is happiness it's, and what is liberty? What does this mean? Well, yeah, no, I feel you. Okay, so, so but I mean, it's, 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 even, it's even more sinister now. Nobody's sitting there asking for life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. It's money, glory, and a bunch of bitches like that's the that's the american way but that's happy okay, that's so, liberty right that's what you get when you have the that's that's libertarianism for you if a person's indoctrinated but, but but okay so so the point that i was that i heard that was so interesting is in the place of existential value because once god dies the very the very concept of value disappears because we've yeah. we've both expressed God is what infuse like the concept of God is what infuses all of the things with existential meaning. I'm living a yeah, righteous good, life. I'm, good, I'm God bad, fearing. Right, wrong. Yeah. Good, bad, right, wrong. We're you know we're we're we're, we're should, God. We okay, so without that, and this this was articulated in 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 in, in long winded you know thoughtful discourse uh, uh, that I that I heard, and and I'm just kind of not doing a great justice for parroting it, but that's where the tenets of equality arise. Because without, without the very concept of value, because then the concept of value creates value orders, right? Because we say, okay, this is good, but then if I did this, I'd be a little better. And if I did this, I'd be a little better. And so then we can actually conceptualize, well, if I got my body in, in, in shape, and if I got my relationships in order, and if I you know, made enough money to support myself, and if I raised children, and I, and I you know, 
I, if I, if I, you know, managed my own autonomous forces, I could be a good guy and I could respect myself and look at myself in the mirror. Like with God, we have this ascension of rank order value, but without it, not only is there no rank order value because nothing has value, everything's equal, everybody is equitable, so we're all, fuck that guy, he's got more money than me, he's a, he's a tyrannical member of the patriarchy, and he yeah, only cares about power. About, yeah, it becomes jealousy, right. and it, it right. exalts, right. God becomes envy, greed, and it's all based on materialism, which is a faulty presupposition, and materialism is, right. it's self-refuting, right. right? it, it refutes itself because you can't have value with materialism. So then it create, right. we're always going to have hierarchies. Right. And this is what I was getting right. at with the critique of like, okay, well, yeah, we, I think, I think a lot of us, we kind of, we get in this mode where it's like, all right, look, the Catholic church is like a weirdo pedo cult now. And all these Protestant churches are just like, like a bunch of dorky pastors uh, playing flirty guitar songs with earrings and stuff. And like, you know, it's like, it's, it just becomes so hokey. And it's like, well, who even gets to interpret like, I mean, everyone just makes up their own interpretation of the Bible. And then it's like, okay, so I guess, you know, we, we've lived out that nihilism in the West where it's like Protestantism was the start of this, where it's like, everybody gets to interpret this for himself. You have Sola Scriptura, you got the Bible and the Holy Spirit's going to tell you exactly what the Bible means and how to interpret the scripture. And then you've got a million different interpretations of scripture. And you take one piece of scripture, you can have 15 different interpretations uh, and how do we know, is there a right one or is it just like we get to interpret it ourselves, right? So you've got that and that's all played out in the West. We're always going to make hierarchies. We're always going to create hierarchies because the, the fabric of creation is hierarchical. There is a God that's above me and you, that's above my dog. My dog here is not God. My, hey, my I'm not God. It's ribeye. Hi, it's ribeye. So Shade, shades of Duke. Yeah, man. That. That's all he cares about is the ball. Aww. He's like Duke, except the ball's fixated all day. Aww. So is, there is, we have this, we're always going to make hierarchies because the fabric of creation, the whole reality of God's creation, it is hierarchical. And there's it's nothing God's wrong with that. If I don't have something above me, I have nothing to work towards. You feel yeah. me? Yeah. You have, and if you, you don't have, have, have something, you're, 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 you're moving away. Like we, there is right and wrong. There is above and below it exists and there is good and that can't come from just me making it up can't come from just oh i feel it because my balls tingle when i hear it or like you know it's like that's good because it makes me feel this that can't be how we determine what's good and bad and right but but I, okay let me let me speak to that real quick just, because, I gotta finish this talk though because okay go ahead like, i'm sorry hierarchies and what we've got here is we've got a, a culture a nihilistic culture that is destroying itself trying to destroy all hierarchies to make everything equal Right to make ourselves to exalt ourselves to the throne of God, right. to exalt right. reason and logic to the right, right. place on the throne right. of God, to dethrone God. Right, and you even see this was on uh, this was a, right. uh, trending on Twitter was the dethrone God hashtag. This was trending on Twitter a while ago. This is inherently a satanic Luciferian ideology that exalts the fallen nature as God and right. wants reason. to dethrone God and make himself the God. Lo so the logos, we're gonna create. Right. What we see in history, but I believe that the proper interpretation of history, you can't interpret it without the fall, right? The fall being uh, all of nature has fallen, right? We didn't have death before the fall, which is why we, I mean, th this gets deep into it. So I, I, I'm not going to be able to describe all the theological concepts of the fall and I'm going to stumble about it. But um, 
we can't interpret nature, we can't interpret reality without considering the fall. We can't properly interpret it. It would be our assertion. Um, others might disagree with that. That's fine. You know, you're right. We have uh, you know, a God-given will. And we get to line up our will with the will of God, the will of truth. We get to line up with the truth and good. Or we can line ourselves up with confusion, with chaos, with revolution, with the revolutionary spirit, violent revolution. All of the history of humanity is the history of the revolutionary spirit playing through human beings, through our passions. And what we're seeing right now in the world is that revolution, the same revolution that happened when Lucifer said, you're not going to die. You're going to become as gods. Eat from the fruit of the knowledge of the fruit from the tree, the fruit of the tree of the of knowledge of good and evil, which God didn't say man could never have. God just said, don't eat of that. Right. But we have our choice. We have our free will. God gave us free will. We're made in the image and likeness of God. We have the ability to choose. Man chose to fall. Man chose to eat of the fruit of the knowledge of good and evil. And God said, you'll die if you do that. And Lucifer said, right, the serpent in the garden said, no, you're not going to die. God's a liar. God's lying to you. You won't die. You're going to live forever. He doesn't want you to become gods. So we ate the fruit. Where is Adam and Eve? They died. What happens to us? We die. Now, that's, we don't believe that that's necessarily bad, right? I mean, if we had to live forever in this hellish world of revolution, of fire, of you know, uh, burning the streets, of constantly um, you know, uh, warfare and murder and rape and all these things that we see around us in the world, which are real things, like out there in the world, bad is real. Um, but it's not created. It's something that people choose, right? They choose to not line up with what's good. And that's what we see now, right? We're, the revolutionary spirit is a Luciferian ethos. It's a Luciferian worldview that wants to become God itself. And that's what we see in the French Revolution. That's what we saw in the Bolshevik Revolution. And we're seeing this now done at a global scale in a much more organized and technologically implemented way. And it tells us the same thing. Hey, you're going to live forever. Just upload your brain to the cloud. Hey, we're going to install an iPhone in your brain and you're going to interface with everybody. You're going to have magical powers and you're going to just be, you're going to be so godlike, right? So it's selling us the same thing. And people might say, well, this is just archetypal. This is, uh, you know, this is an archetype, like a Jungian archetype type thing. Um, I think Jung was onto something there. He, he, he definitely touched on a lot of truths. But what I believe is this is it's actually real, right? And Christian theology fleshes this out and um, not fleshes it out, but uh, it explains this in the most coherent way, in my opinion. It's, it's very um, deep and complete theologically. And um, yeah, so it's, it's the revolution is spiritual the revolution is not we're going to be equal because everybody needs to have clothing housing and food and we just want to help everybody yeah obviously we want we don't want everybody anybody to starve we don't want like it sounds great on the surface equality cool but what does that really mean does that mean we're all the same does it mean that we're all going to have to plug into google cloud and you know become a part of the borg and become this you know part of this ai right there's, there's they're building machine gods instead of worshiping the God that created us and gave us the will and the ability to even build fake machine gods. That's how much God loves us. Always there for us, always ready to accept repentance, even though we've constantly fallen so many times in our life. God's there to pick us up as long as we line up our will with the will of God and repent. And that's real power. And that's real strength is lining up with truth, right? Real truth doesn't come from us just like, oh, I'm going to go force my will on somebody. I'm big and strong. 
I got the biggest guns. Therefore I got the best, the biggest truth. It's like, no, I mean, it's more powerful to die for the truth, right? To like you know, martyr, be a martyr for the truth and say no to you this. Nonsense. I so, yeah, anyway, yeah, revolution. That's, that's kind of the, the word of the decade, the word of the last few centuries is revolution. And I think that's the problem. The problem is we're looking for the wrong type of revolution. Rather than lining ourselves up with the will of God, with God as the ultimate authority, God on the throne, right? We're creating who's, monarchy based on Napoleonic. We? Yeah, go ahead. Who's, who's we? Humanity. I don't think. Right? Like, I'm not saying like me and you are doing that. It's like we're like I'm, I'm trying. We're doing our best not to do that. But it's like humanity has been doing this for so for so long. I mean, you look like the French Revolution was also about overthrowing crown and throne. It was about overthrowing the monarchs, throwing out the church, right? Which they were corrupted institutions at that time. The Catholic Church, the Roman Catholic Church was corrupted. The monarchy was corrupt. It was decadent. But what got put up in his place was even worse and created more starvation and ended up ultimately with just Napoleon as the new monarch. <laughs> so it's like, you had all this chaos and destruction, and what happened in the end? They had a monarch. Why do we keep creating monarchs? Why do we want a benevolent dictator? Because we, but we, we reject the actual good benevolent dictator, who's God. The truth comes from God. So yeah, I think I, I was babbling for a while there. Sorry. No, I see it. I, I feel you. I mean, you, 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 you ended the tirade with the truth comes from God. I, I, I would be loath to, to disagree with that my counterpunch to the jab of we don't feel it because you know that's that's maybe self righteous well you know if my balls tingle then i'm feeling good i think that it's a fair point that the manifestation of the will of god happens through moral action and I would go so far as to say, you know it, you feel yeah. it. Of course, and, you do. And, yeah. And you okay, do. so 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 my my contention is the the revolution, the real work, the real act of moving in the the correct direction, walking up the pyramid to the to the eye at the top that is God. Let's say, uh, is through. At least this is the this is the 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 model that helps me to behave in a in a in a just way. I would I would I would hold to be true is through looking at at others who are who are farther up the pyramid than I am and trying to model that behavior. Okay, so so as opposed to allowing something innate in me to take control whether it's lo like like logos the logic the reason the 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 capacity for me to to claim that i'm more intelligent than the next guy and that's not a seldom repeated arced uh narrative structure in myth and story right i mean like like satan lucifer was the logos right? He was he was reason incarnate, and and the, no, the, no 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 well, the, well I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't agree with that. But I like reason. Lucifer is is fallen reason, right? Like reason is 
reason and logic. The idea. Okay, let me let me let me finish the point, and then you can poke holes in it. The idea that logic, in and of itself, is somehow superordinate to God. Yeah, and like, that gets us into real trouble. That's Luciferian. And that's that's my point. Yeah. That. And I'm not. When, it's not like for anybody listening. I'm not like that's not. I'm not like, oh, that's evil. So it's Luciferian. No, there's actually is a there's Luciferian theology, which claim you know Lucifer being the light bearer, Lucifer being the source of enlightenment, Lucifer the light bearer, right? So this is there. There are people who believe that Lucifer in the garden was freeing man from the evil tyrant God, and this is Gnosticism. And Luciferianism, you can you know, read a little bit more about that if you want to understand where those terms come from. So my contention is if a person upholds a systematic structure of the representation of experience above their own direct experience, they are buying a ticket to ride on the indoctrination train. And the indoctrination train goes wherever the organization that is writing your curriculum wants to take it and and i think that history shows us although you seem to be a better student of history than i am but i would say history shows us that that train leads most often to bloody revolution that then leads to another bloody revolution right it just yeah over and over what does revolution mean it's going in a circle Right. That's what revolution, right. that's the right. meaning of the word, right. circular right. action. So, so it's better to do that inside of the self, huh? It's better to die and be reborn egotistically, egoically, psychologically. It's better to learn and repeat. It's better to fail and get better. It's better to train and improve. It's better to take all of that on upon the self, I would say. And this is something that I'm trying to do, yeah? As opposed to saying me and my group are going to make things better because we get it. We get it. Just don't worry about it. We'll explain it to you later. We but get look, it. But look, if you, if you line That's up That's dangerous with, as fuck, in my opinion. But also, look, the truth is the truth. And if there are other people that recognize and line up with the truth, what are they supposed to do? Ignore each other and not... It's like, can, 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 not, can multiple people not line themselves up with the truth? I think that that lining up is a metaphysical process that you nor I have any control over. That's like, that's like sympathetic electromagnetic, you know, vibration. That's a thing that happens in the unified field. I would argue that that lining up is not something that is needed to happen through social clubs. I think that that just happens. It happens as a function of the universe. I contend, I think personally, in my opinion. And I think that we're that always we just going to have, I mean, it, the reason we seek hierarchy, the reason we seek tribes are because that's not inherently bad, right? Like have, wanting to be, wanting, it's, like, it's like, why should you, why should you not live around 30 other families who also recognize the same deep metaphysical truths that you recognize? Why should, because like this, it's this really, it's really likely it'll get corrupt. It's really likely that it'll be corrupt eventually. But if you're lined up, if you know, if God is good, right? So it's like, what is going to be corrupt through what? Not because it's through the passions of man. Look, this is that there's this fake dialectic through, between through the, the passions of man. We've already we established. Believe, so there's, there's, we don't in. All right, so how do I put this? 
And I'm gonna. Well, you ask, you ask you ask me you ask me a question. I'm answering your question. Yeah. How do the how do they get corrupted through the passions of man? Yeah, yeah, for sure. I agree with that. Was what I'm, but what I'm saying is, um, we we have a uh, a false dialectic that's being presented here, of the one and the many, right? So it's like you have individuality and you have collectivism. Collectivism bad, individualism good. This is a, this is kind of a uh, post enlightenment ideal. This is a very uh, Protestant way of looking at it. Like collectives bad, individual good. It's a false dialectic. I don't think collectivism is bad if it's based on things like family, like community. Yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's like so good. Collective, collectivism is not bad, and individualism can be just as corrupted and bad as collectivism. Sure, you know what I'm saying? Sure it it's can. a false sure dialectic. Like, like or Jordan, Jordan Peterson said, oh, you join the mob. You can't apologize to the mob. You should never apologize to the mob. Um, that's like, there's a lot of truth is, in that, right? Is that your Jordan Peterson impression? Jordan Peterson, you have to, it's like, Oh, I have to hear his voice again. Uh, I haven't heard him in a little bit. He's, but so like, he's well spoken, man. Things, to be right? fair, true. He's a lot of things right, but this whole thing of like, oh, collectivism is bad. This idea of like, well, collectivism is bad, and salvation comes through the individual. That's we don't believe that in. All right, so in, in yeah, Orthodox I think you're. Theology, I think you're making that falsely simplified. Yeah, yeah. You're, so you're making a straw man it. argument. It's a false dialectic. Collectivism. That's not, that's not what's being said. Said though. That's not what Jordan Peterson says. Okay, so the, the, forget Jordan Peterson. Collectivism and individualism, there's not a dialectic there. There's a false dialectic. The individual isn't inherently to be exalted or denounced, and neither is collective to be right. exalted or denounced. Truth and right. a really in a true just society, we believe that the kingdom of God is a, it's a monarchy. It's right. not, well, it's a hierarchy. Yes, it's sir. a monarchy with yes, God sir. as here's, the head. Here's God the question. Yes, sir. So Here's the question. A, we can't have a society that's good, and the kingdom of God can't be built on a bunch of autonomous individuals deciding what's good for themselves. We do have choice. We do have free yeah, but choice. Who, who and there makes is that right choice? Right. Who makes so, that choice? You make. Go ahead. You 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 said it. You said a thing, and that is. You can't make a just society on, you know, X, Y, Z as false dialectics. Fair, fair enough. So the question becomes, how do you make a fair and just society? That's not an easy question to answer, I would contend. Well, not through our human, through our fallen human nature. That's why we, we can't answer that through our fallen human nature. We require God. So this, it has to be hierarchically structured to reflect to the kingdom God. of God. To reflect the kingdom of God and to to essentially be the kingdom of God, the kingdom of heaven. The, the kingdom of earth has to reflect the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, right? With God as the head, right? And with a spiritual hierarchy that is built on the will of God. That's the only way. And it's like, it's like, okay, well, that's, okay, then how do we do that? Well, I mean, we, we got to take this one step at a time, right? We've got several thousand years of history of fallen man playing out, the passions and being demonically influenced by the gods, which we believe are demons, right? The gods of the nation, we believe, the gods of the nations are demons, right? These are the gods were asking for human blood, human sacrifice, all these terrible things, right? Like, uh, you know, ritual child abuse, all these things that we see going on in elite circles today. These are the gods of old, Baal, right? Um, uh, all, all these, uh, all these old 
gods, the gods of the Canaanites and stuff that were having them burn their children in the forests and eat babies and things like that. It's like these were, these are what have, have driven man historically, right? So we got to line ourselves up with the will of God and that will result in a just hierarchy rather than constant revolutions and then corrupt hierarchies and corrupt monarchs toppling and being toppled by other corrupt monarchs. Um, and that's what we're looking at when you look at like eschatology and things about, you know, we're talking about a, um, a future utopian state, all these fallen interpretations of the utopia where it's like man exalts his own reason to the throne of God. And then it's like, well, my reason is the right reason. And Devin's reason sucks because I'm the superior germplasm and I have the best genetics. Right. So therefore it's my right to exert my will over Devin and I'm going to be the monarch. It's like that's the, as long as man is fallen and continuing to fall and beholden to the, uh, the passion of the demonic forces, we're going to create, keep going in circles with these revolutions. But yeah, I, I hear the argument. It's it just a, my, my question to you, my question to you, and I hear the argument. I'm not disputing the argument. What I'm asking you and what I'm not hearing an answer to, and I don't have an answer to it, except to say it has to start inside each of us. It has to be a personal journey. I'm not saying that that's removed from being aligned that's with exactly the truth the of God. But there, are, there is a spiritual hierarchy. Well, who, who, so gets like, to join the, who gets to join the club? Are you going to choose the 12? You see, do, you, do you see where the problem arises? How, how, no, how do, where, where? It's up to God. Where, where does the rubber meet the road in creating this society of God that would be wonderful if That's it's where a... theology comes in, man. I mean, it's like it's, it, God, God reveals to our hearts what is true. All right. And there is a church. There is the church. So we believe that the, the Orthodox Church, which is actually the has true apostolic lineage, right? That was created by Jesus Christ, God incarnate, both man, both fully man and fully God. Right. So I mean it's like this is where this is where this is where the rubber meets the road is the incarnation. We needed the incarnation in order to save us. That was the Son of the Son of God. Saint Athanasius said the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of man might become the sons of God. So it's like, that's, that's where the rubber meets the road. Now, I know it's not an easy answer. Well, it's like, oh, well, fuck you, man. How am, I, how am I supposed to accept this? Well, I mean, this is, I mean, it's something that is revealed in our hearts. It's like the truth is revealed to us. And there's a long history. It's been 2,000 years of the church now. And it's, you know, it's gone through many, uh, it's gone through the schism. But you do have heritage. You do have tradition that goes back all the way to the apostles, all the way to Jesus Christ, who we believe was God incarnate. Right. And I mean, it's a, this this is what it comes down to. It comes down to theology. And we believe that there is salvation. There is salvation. and It comes from God. And I believe that there is a church right If there. And the church isn't like, you know, the Protestant thing. It always bothered me. I never could buy into it. Right. It was like the, the Bible spoke to me. There was a time when, you know, I did when I reading the Bible, I opened up the Bible and it just some, something happened. Something switched and it just poured into me. So the thing that I had mocked, the name that I had spent years mocking and deriding and thinking was stupid and irrational and for weak people this uh and i when i actually finally opened up the bible and read genesis it was it just something happened right so that's like i believe that's god opens our heart and softens our heart it's up to us and then it's up to god and uh so the rubber meets the road not in like okay let's if we all just right it's like the the self-help stuff that i like you know i was always really into like not always but um you know, Alan Watts and stuff and um, 
I don't know, just in college, like reading a lot of uh, Eastern mythology and Eastern mysticism and, um, you know, self-development stuff. And even like the psychonauts and uh, gurus like uh, Leary and then Gurdjieff and a lot of these other things. Um, McKenna? Ultimately, I don't think that uh, we're all, you know, we're not going to build a, 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 a good, true and truly just society, not just in like social justice, but real justice we're not going to build a true and just society by all of us just becoming tony robbins it's like we do have to have unity through our action through lining up our wills with the divine will of god and that doesn't mean giving up our autonomy or not autonomy because i don't believe anybody's truly autonomous right but i don't uh, it doesn't mean giving up our free will and just becoming some robot and oh i'm gonna like accept what this guy says it's like look if there's truth if the truth is real then the truth is real Right. It's like if there is truth, then there's truth. And there right. might be, maybe there is a spiritual hierarchy that we have uh, neglected much of our life. And I've come to the conclusion that, uh, that there is a, the church and the church that Christ spoke about um, is still in existence. And uh, in the West, we haven't come into contact with it much because it's, you have the Roman Catholic church and Western theology kind of splintered off of that. And then you had Protestantism and Luther and it splintered into a thousand different cults. Then you had, you know, Charles Manson got to be his own little Protestant cult. And you, know, you have like this uh, 20th century schizoid interpretation of, of, um, of theology, but yeah, they, the rubber meets the road at the church. And I know that's, you know, it's not an so easy give, answer. No, it's a good answer. Give me the upshot. Where is the church? Where does one contact the church in the United States? Where, how, yeah. how does one become a part of the solution. It's easy to talk about a problem. Let's talk about a solution. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a great question. And um, yeah, so we believe in Eastern Orthodoxy and I was introduced through it uh, through, through reading, actually through intellectually exploring the idea of Eastern Orthodoxy. I read some books by a guy called Father Seraphim Rose. Seraphim Rose was a monk that lived in Northern California. He was a former, he was actually a disciple of Alan Watt. Uh, Alan Watts with an S um, before he converted and he was hanging around a lot of the new age circles and around the hippie movement and all that, which, you know, you and I grew up in California. So we, we were exposed to a lot kind of, the of same, products of that. Yeah. Yeah. The same cultural forces that he was kind of battling with were some of the things that I was always engaged with and thought were possibly, you know, there were a lot of answers in there for me, right? There were a lot of answers in Eastern mysticism that explained the world in a way that did make sense. And there are truths in all these, what I believe are false religions, right? They do point to certain things. You have to have truth to, to pull people in. <laughs> you have to have truth to pull people into your ideology, right? It's even the, the bullshit mainstream TV. They, they'll touch on certain truths to keep you in the loop of consuming the propaganda, right? So anyways, um, I came to believe that there, there actually is a holy apostolic church that uh, was set up by the apostles and that has traditions that go back and that root back into uh, that, that were uh, brought to us by God, the son of God incarnate. And um, that's through the Eastern Orthodox church. And there are many Eastern Orthodox churches in the United States. And that doesn't mean that there aren't parts of Eastern Orthodoxy that have uh, that go through periods of, uh, of embracing false ideology and, and false things. But I would say, Visit a, if you could find like a Russian or Romanian Orthodox church or a Serbian church, they're all over California. Um, I would say that's a good place to start and just go and, and check it out. That's what um, the best way to do is, is go, go to a, a liturgy and, um, and see for yourself.
and you know we in the liturgy we sing and pray together and it's about community and i mean it's about worship of god lining up with the will of god and there is a um a very beautiful tradition that is very complete and very um not corny <laughs> and not um not hokey like so much of what we're used to in uh, in Christianity, which turns so many of us off through being exposed to Protestantism and the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, I was so I hated it. I really I I hated the idea of it. I thought this is so stupid, right? Like I would used to always say, talk about oh, organized religion is bad, but that doesn't mean that God doesn't exist, right? Like I used to be very very adamant about that. But um, yeah, I I was kind of humbled in many ways and. I would say visit an Eastern Orthodox church. I mean, they're good Greek churches too, uh, but they're, they're. Um, well, thank you for yeah, that. You, do you know, do you know I'm Greek? Like start, right? And talk, talk to the priests there, right? Go talk, go find a Russian, Russian Orthodox church in America. Yeah, we we um, used to go to Greek Easter every, every, uh, every year. And yeah, because Greek mm -hmm. Easter is the, is the, is the big celebration in, in, in the Christian tradition, right? Easter is the, yeah, is the most yeah. important, is the most important um, holiday. Right, right. So we, you know, we celebrate the resurrection and the resurrection is, you know, Christ is risen. And we believe that all of creation is to be um, not just uh, saved, but also deified. And we get to take partake in the part, we get to partake in the divine energies of God. And um, so, yeah, I'd, I'd say visit a, a, a Eastern Orthodox church, Russian, Serbian, even Greek, and, and talk to the priest and, you know, ask questions. and. Um, you know, don't, don't be afraid to, to go and ask some questions. All the, the priests that I've met, all the Orthodox priests I've met have been incredibly, uh, super, uh, woke, which is kind of a, a hijacked turn now, but very, very aware of what's going on in the world. And, um, and I think, uh, people would be a lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people might, uh, benefit from that. Just going and talking to the priest. You want to meet Ryder? Meet my friend Hi, Ryder. Hey, dude. Hey, come here. Don't be a butthead. What are you doing? How you doing, Ryder? I'm Devin. Nice to meet you, bud. I'm in Oregon. I've, I've known your dad for a long time. And I called him, or I texted him the day you were born. It was weird, dude. I was at a Starbucks, which is a coffee shop. And I said, you know, I, something's telling me that I want to reach out to Tristan and see how he's doing. And I said, hey, bud, how you doing? Haven't talked to you for a little while. And it was the day you were born. How cool is that, Ryder? What a blessing, right? The dude, the so, day Ryder was born, that was such a crazy day. Ryder's a really cool guy. He's he's a solid kid. You can see he's getting big, huh? Yeah, he looks like you, man. You guys got the same eyes. He's almost four years old. It'll be four in September. September well, twenty eighth, Ryder was born. Awesome, oh, man. What's all Ryder? It's 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 nice to meet you, dude. Say say nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Very nice to nice meet, to you, meet Devin. you, Devin. Devin, my buddy, you'll meet him in person one day. Maybe he'll come visit one day. Maybe we'll go visit him in Oregon. Okay. <laughs> All right. All right. Good man. Well, bro, <laughs> you, 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 you go, go be with your family. I, I, I always enjoy the opportunity to catch up. It's a pleasure. And, you know, I, I hope we can have another conversation fairly soon and get into something again and, and, and you know, have a fun, like, you know, convo. Uh, I'm, I'm touched how passionate you are in the pursuit of your best life. You've seen the memes. I'm living my best life. I think you're living your best life. 
And I think that that's incredibly powerful for everybody that you're connected with because it's myself included because it's, it's, you know, you don't bro for what it's worth in a, in a, in a one, two, as we, as we, as we wrap up the conversation to affect others positively, myself included, you don't need to convince me of anything. You don't need to tell me about your, your theological understanding of the cosmos and your place in it. You don't need to convert me. You don't need to educate me. You just need to do you. And when you do, and you are, you lift me up because you hold me to a higher standard simply by holding yourself to a higher standard. I'm not trying to preach at you. I'm just telling you how I feel in my heart. Seeing you do your own thing and raise cattle and have children and, and, and have a, a great relationship with your spouse and be in a new place in the world and, and make your way and be a homesteader and build your body and be a powerful manifestation of yourself makes me stronger. I can't really tell you how, but uh, maybe just that I see you. You feel me? I see you, man. And God love you. God bless you. And thank you for for being my friend and being a part of my network. And I look forward to talking with you again and and hopefully seeing you soon, man. Maybe we come down to Ecuador, you know, when we're in Brazil next. Uh, uh, You know, you guys are always obviously welcome in Oregon. So, so, you know, from the bottom of my heart, you know, appreciate you. Yeah, brother. It's been, it's been nice talking, Devin. I really appreciate that, man. It means a lot. And um, I always, always enjoy our conversations and I uh, you know, appreciate you reaching out and always being so, uh, so supportive and, and always bringing, just always bringing a, a fresh perspective. I appreciate that. Um, that I like when we get to, you know, actually sit down and talk. Cause like sometimes we'll like DM and it's like, I, I I'm always in and out of the house and, um, I'm not always very patient when I'm online. <laughs> I just, I talk to so many people online. So, uh, yeah, dude, I, I, uh, I appreciate your, 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 uh, your fire and your, um, and your honesty and, and, and everything you are and everything you become, man. I'm, I'm stoked to know you and, uh, and, um, yeah, bro, I miss you and I'll, uh, and I look, really look forward to talking to you soon, man. Congratulations on, on, uh, the puppy and, and everything with the wife and look Thank forward you. to meeting your children one day. I know you've been talking about having babies. I'm sure those, Maybe, maybe, maybe you got one brewing right now and you haven't even told me, but you, I, I um, look forward to, um, to everything to come, man. And I really appreciate the conversation and yeah, God bless, man. Talk to you soon, brother. Later, Devin. Now watch me awkwardly end the conversation. <laughs>